What about those of you who are here this morning who have come through this season, 21 days of prayer and fasting, but you're still waiting? What you were praying for hasn't happened just yet. You know without a doubt that God has given you a promise, but you have not yet possessed the promise that God has given you. That's what I want to talk to you about this morning. I want to talk to you about stopping short and to encourage you to not stop short, to not stop on six. Because here in this building today, under the sound of my voice, are unfulfilled promises. Unfulfilled promises that God has given you that have not yet materialized. And some of you are wondering, well, if not during this 21 days of prayer and fasting, God, when are you going to answer my prayer? When are you going to give me my breakthrough? When are you going to give me my healing? When, when, when are my kids going to come to know Jesus? When are my prayers going to be answered? And so what I want to do this morning is I want us to look through this passage of Scripture that I've read to you. And I want to share with you three things that I see in this passage of Scripture that cause people to stop short of possessing the promises of God in their life. And all of us can fall prey to this if we are not careful. These are three problems, and I'm sure there are more, but there are three that I clearly see in this passage of Scripture this morning that cause people to stop short of possessing the promises that God has made to you. And the first thing that I see in this passage of Scripture as a problem that keeps people from possessing their promise, that keeps people and, and causes people to fall short and stop short of possessing the promise is this, and that is that sometimes our perspective gets blocked. Now think about these people that this passage of Scripture is about. It's about the Israelites. And God had given them a promise. It was actually a promise that began with Abraham when God spoke to Abraham in Genesis 12 and 1 and said to him, leave your country, your relatives, and your father's house and go to the land that I will show you. So their promise was land. Their promise was property. It was called the promised land. It was called Canaan land. And so now Joshua is God's commander-in-chief who will lead the children of Israel into their promised land, into Canaan, to possess the promise of God. But as soon as they get into the promised land, they are immediately faced with a problem. And the problem that they were faced with was a city by the name of Jericho. And the problem with Jericho was it was surrounded by walls, not just any wall, very high walls, very wide walls. The, wall, the walls were so wide that we're told that you could drive two chariots side by side across the top of this wall. The Bible tells us this in Joshua chapter 6 verse 2, that God speaks to Joshua and says to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands along with its king and its fighting men. Now, I want you to notice something that God does in this passage of Scripture. God speaks in past tense 
about a battle that Joshua has not even fought yet. Notice he said, see, I have delivered Jericho into your hands. You say, well, what's the problem with that? Well, the problem with that is what was said in Joshua chapter 6 verse 1. Where God spoke to Joshua and where it says that now the gates of Jericho were securely barred. That's in reference to that wall. No one went out and no one came in. And as I said, it wasn't just any wall. It was a great wall. It was a large wall. It was a wide wall. It seemed informidable to them. But isn't that the way the enemy works in our lives sometimes? That when God gives us a promise, the enemy constructs a problem between us and our promise. And I believe that the reason why he does that is to intimidate us. To, to, to cause us to be overcome with fear. But I want you to know why that wall was where it was. Why that wall had been constructed. Because I left one little statement out of verse 1. Because the scripture actually says this. It says, now the gates of Jericho were securely barred. Look, because of the Israelites. They had heard who the Israelites were in Jericho. And they were afraid of them. And so they had built this wall to protect them from the Israelites. Matter of fact, when they first came into the promised land, Joshua, or just before they came in, Joshua sent spies in to spy out the land, two of them, and they in, ended up meeting a woman by the name of Rahab. And listen to what Rahab said when she saw these spies. I know the Lord has given you this land. Even the people in the land knew that God had given the Israelites the land. I know the Lord has given you this land, she told them. We are all afraid of you. Everyone is living in terror. That's what was going on inside Jericho. For we have heard. Oh, it's time that this community, and when I say community, I mean Summit, and I mean Dora, I mean West Jefferson, I mean East Walker County. It's time that this community hears about the Lord God that we serve. Amen. He said, for we have heard how the Lord made a dry path for you through the Red Sea when you left Egypt. And we know what you did to Sihon and Og, the two Amorite kings east of the Jordan River, whose people you completely destroyed. No wonder our hearts melted in fear. No one has the courage to fight after hearing such things. For the Lord your God is the supreme God of the heavens above and the earth below. That's why they had constructed that wall is because they had heard about the Israelites. They knew who the Israelites God was and so they were trying to protect themselves. So here's what you need to know this morning. And that is that when the enemy constructs a problem between you and possessing your promise to try and block your perspective, he puts it there trying to intimidate you, but here's what you need to know. It's not there just because he's trying to intimidate you. It's there because he's intimidated by you. 
Do you hear me this morning as a child of God? The enemy is intimidated by you. He knows who you are. He knows who your God is. And he knows what is going to happen as a result. So he tries to block our perspective by putting walls or by putting problems between us and us trying to possess our promises. But I'm not intimidated by the devil. I'll tell you that right now. And my God is not intimidated by the devil. It's just another opportunity for God to reveal how strong, how big, how powerful he is in the process. Amen? But sometimes our perspective gets blocked. But not only does our perspective get blocked, another problem that sometimes keeps us from possessing the promise God has for us and calls us to stop short is the fact that sometimes our progress is not obvious. Listen to what Joshua says, or what God says to Joshua in Joshua 6.3. He said, Joshua, I want you to march around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. So, so here's what God says to Joshua. Now listen, he's not talking to the whole large group of people. He's just speaking to Joshua when he gives instructions. And he says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to march around those walls one time every day for six days. And then on the seventh day, you're to march around those walls seven times. So, so get this, they walk around those walls 12 times, six times, one time every day for six days and then six times on the seventh day and see nothing happen. No progress being made whatsoever. Now, you would think that God, our concept of God, that God, in order to keep the people motivated, would have shown them a little bit of progress that they're making. I mean, you would think that maybe after the first time around the wall, that at least one little brick you know, would fall out of the wall to motivate them saying, okay, we're getting somewhere here. Because you see, we don't mind walking as long as we know it's working. We don't mind being obedient as long as we can see some progress. You know, you would think that after they marched around the wall one time, that about one-seventh of the wall would have disappeared. And after the second time around, about two-sevenths of the wall would have disappeared. But here they go around that wall 12 times, and they see no progress whatsoever. They don't even see a crack in the wall as a result of their praying, but they continue to walk. Let me ask you something this morning. Are you willing to be obedient even when you're not seeing anything happen? You know, it's easy to pray as long as God is answering all of our prayers, isn't it? I mean, if God answered our prayers immediately every time we prayed, you don't have a problem getting anybody to pray. But what God wants to know is this. Are we going to pray even when it seems like we're not getting any answers to our prayers? 
Are we going to continue to believe? I'm not seeing any progress, Pastor. The Bible says that in his presence is fullness of joy, and I'm still as depressed as I was when I walked into his presence. Uh, as I know the Word of God says that by his stripes we were healed, speaking in past tense, but Pastor, I'm still sick. I know that the Bible says that he came to seek and to save that which was lost. Then why is my children still far from God? I know that the Bible says that God's going to provide all of our needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. But why am I still broke, busted, and disgusted in this situation? I know that the Bible said that Jesus has come to set the captive free. But why am I still addicted? Why am I still in bondage? Let me tell you or ask you something this morning. Are you willing to continue to be obedient even when you're not seeing any progress being made? Because here's what God says to us this morning. You've got to walk by faith and not by sight. Amen. Let me give you a good life lesson right here. Good life lesson. Helped me through a lot of difficult circumstances in my life. And that life lesson is this. <laughs> the outcome is God's responsibility. Obedience is my responsibility and it doesn't matter what I see it doesn't matter what I feel I've got to be obedient even though progress is not obvious even though we may not be seeing anything happen we keep marching we keep walking and then listen to what he says to Joshua he said that when you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets have the whole army give a loud shout. Then the wall of the city will collapse and the army will go up, everyone straight in. And so God, God gives Joshua the instructions. He gives Joshua the details. But notice that Joshua is selective in the information that he relays to the people. He has all the details. The people don't have all the details. All he says to them is this, So Joshua, son of Nun, called the priest and said to them, Take up the ark of the covenant of the Lord and have seven priests carry trumpets in front of it. And he ordered the army advance, march around the city with an armed guard going ahead of the ark of the Lord. Now notice, the only information the people get from Joshua is show up tomorrow in your battle fatigues and get ready to march. He leaves out some very important information. And the important information that he neglects to tell them is how many times they're going to have to walk around that wall and how many days this process is going to take. Because you see, what the enemy does sometimes in order to get us to quit short of possessing the promise of God is to get us focused on an open-ended Process. Does anybody ever feel like the process is open-ended and you're wondering when is this thing ever going to come to pass? When is this process, when are we going to be able to stop marching? When are we going to be able to stop walking? When are we going to be able to take a break? You see, they didn't get all of that information. All they were told is walk. All they were told was march. I mean, if that's me, I'm probably going to want to know, well, how many times we got to go around this wall? How many days are we going to be out here? It would be nice if I could tell my wife. It would be nice if I could tell my family when I leave every day when I'm coming back. 
but they don't have that information. But notice what happens in chapter 1 verse 8, or in chapter 6 verse 8, it said that when Joshua had spoken to the people, the seven priests carrying the seven trumpets before the Lord went forward, blowing their trumpets, and the ark of the Lord's covenant followed them. The armed guard marched ahead of the priest who blew the trumpets, and the rear guard followed the ark. All this time the trumpets were sounding, but Joshua had commanded the army, do not give a war cry, do not raise your voice, do not say a word. Like I said, sometimes the best strategy is not trying to figure it out. It's not trying to discourage your neighbor because I believe one of the reasons why Joshua told the people, be quiet, don't say anything until I tell you to say something because he knew sooner or later one of those marching would look at the other and say, this is crazy. This is ridiculous. There's no way a strategy like this is going to work. We look ridiculous out here. But how many of you know sometimes you've got to be willing to do something ridiculous? Sometimes you've got to be willing to do something that makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. Historians tell us that there were about five different ways that you could actually take a city that was walled like this city. But God didn't choose any of those five ways, the more rational ways. No, God had his own plan. God had his own strategy that he was going to give these people so they could possess their promise. And so he said, don't say a word until the day I tell you to shout, then shout. So he had the ark of the Lord carried around the city, circling at once. Then the army returned to camp and spent the night there. Now imagine this. Sometimes my imagination gets the best of me, but let's just say, husband gets up early, early in the morning, gets his battle fatigues on, he gets his armor, he's equipped for battle. He looks at his wife and he says, honey, I love you. Kisses her by, doesn't know when he'll come back or if he'll come back. And he gets out there near Jericho, and Joshua looks at him and says, All right, guys, get to walking. So they walk around that wall one time. And can you imagine what the conversation would have been like when he came home that night? I think about those kind of things. The wife maybe is waiting for him at the door and says, come in, honey, come in. I've been waiting on you all day. Come in. I want to know every detail about your day. Translated. I want to know everything that happened to you today. Every second, every minute, every hour. I want to know who you stood beside. I want to know who you talked to. I want to know what they were like. I want, I want to know what they said. I want to know what those walls looked like. Does this side of the wall look different than the other side of the wall? And then when you're done answering my questions, I want you to ask me how my day was. And this is not a true-false question. This is not a multiple-choice question. This is an essay question because I want to know everything. Right, guys? <laughs> and he comes home, and she says, well, how did it go today? Did my little soldier <laughs> kill some folks today? Come on, baby, you tell me. Tell me what happened out there. He looks at her and says, we walked. We just walked around the city. You just walked, yep, we just walked. Well, what did you do after that? We came home. 
And, and then the Bible says this. It says, so Joshua got up early the next morning and the priest took up the ark of the Lord. The seven priests carrying the seven trumpets went forward marching before the ark of the Lord. In other words, they're doing this day what they had done the day before. So on the second day, they marched around the city once and returned to camp. They did this for six days. Now, can you imagine that man coming home every day and his wife asking him, how did it go today, big boy? How many did you kill today? He said, well, again today, we just, what would you do after that? We came home. Because you see, some, here's the thing about life. Life doesn't tell us. It would be awesome if it did, but life doesn't tell us how many more laps we have left in our race. Wouldn't that be great if it did? Life doesn't tell us you've only got 15 more minutes to your breakthrough. Life doesn't tell us, hey, if you'll just hang on till the end of the year, then your breakthrough is going to come at the end of the year. Life doesn't tell us, God doesn't tell us that, you know, just around the corner. You may have people tell you that, but it ain't always true. You know it, and I know it. But you don't have God that says, okay, just right around your corner here is your breakthrough. If you can just hang on for a little while longer. Because the process sometimes seems open-ended. But I want you to notice how many times they marched around that wall. They marched around the wall one time every day for six days. Everybody say six. six. On the last day, they marched around the wall seven times, but they marched six times before they ever saw anything happen. It was only until the seventh time that the walls began to come down. Do you know what the number six is in Scripture? The number six in Scripture represents the number of man. On the sixth day, God created man. The mark of the beast, 666, which is the number of man without God. In other words, I believe that God was letting these people, as he does with us sometimes, come to the end of ourselves to where we understand and we realize that once we get into the promise, it wasn't us that got us into the promise. It was God that got us into the promise. Last week, Deuteronomy 8.18, Jamie shared that passage with you where it said that it is the Lord who brings you into the land and gives you success. But what we need to do is back up one passage of Scripture to Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 17, where it says that if we are not careful when we come into the land, and he was speaking to the children of Israel, that when we come into the land, if we're not careful, we will say it was my strength and it was the power of my hand that brought me into this place. And the reason why the process sometimes is open-ended is because before God can get us to our promise that he's prepared for us. He's got to prepare us for the promise that he's prepared for us. And so just because you can't see him working right now doesn't mean that he's not working. He's working on the inside of us and he's getting us ready for the promise that he's prepared for us. Somebody ought to take a praise break right there and give God some praise. Hallelujah. Amen. Six is the number of man. Seven is the number of God. And notice what happens in verse 15. On the seventh day. 
They got up at daybreak and marched around the city seven times in the same manner, except that on that day, they circled the city seven times. The seventh time around, when the priest sounded the trumpet blast, Joshua commanded the army, shout, for the Lord has given you the city. When the trumpet sounded, the army shouted. And at the sound of the trumpet, now don't make a mistake here that you think the wall came down because of their shout. No, you go to Hebrews chapter 11 and Hebrews chapter 11 says by faith the walls came down when the people of Jericho were obedient and shouted as God told them to shout. It wasn't their shout. It was their faith in God that even though their progress was not obvious, even though the process seemed to be open-ended, they had faith and trust in God. And on that seventh time around, it says that everyone charged in straight after the wall had collapsed and they took the city. Don't stop short, Summerton Church of God. Don't stop on six because I really believe that your breakthrough is near you. Somebody thank God for that today. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Now wouldn't it be great, Tanya, you can come. But wouldn't it be great if life was like NASCAR? Now, I don't like NASCAR. I'm not a fan of NASCAR. But wouldn't it just be great if life was like NASCAR? Because the few times I've seen NASCAR on TV, down at the bottom of the screen, it tells how many laps are left in that race. And not only that, but... Something else I've noticed about NASCAR is that when you have one lap left, they rave a white flag to let you know you've only got one lap left. Don't stop now. Don't stop short. You just got one lap left, and they wave that white flag. But unfortunately, life is not like NASCAR. We don't know how much longer. We don't know how many more laps. We don't know how much more praying. We don't know how much more believing. We don't know how much trusting. And so what do we do? We wave our white flag. We surrender. We quit. We throw in the towel. Pastor, if I could just see some progress. I'd keep walking, but I'm not seeing any progress. Well, we walk by faith, not by sight. Six is the number of man. Six is the number of your power. Six is the number of your energy. Six is the number of your effort. But seven is God's number. Don't stop now. Don't stop short. Don't stop on six. You say, well, pastor, what if I keep walking and this isn't my last lap? What do I do then? Let me tell you. You live every day like this is your last lap. And one day you'll be right. That's about as good of an answer as I can give you. You just keep walking by faith. You just keep being obedient. You just keep believing this is my last lap. And one day... You'll be right. Philip, 
Come here just a minute, bud. When I was talking to you in our interview, I didn't really catch it at the time. And really, I didn't even pick it up till this morning when I was reading this passage of Scripture that you told me that it's been seven years ago since you applied for this job before. Is that right? Seven years ago. Seven is God's number. It's amazing how God just orchestrated all of this. It really is. It's amazing. Because what you've done for the last six years or so, you've just kept walking. You just kept walking. You just kept being obedient. You just kept marching, wondering when or if. But in this seventh year, God brought you here. Walls are coming down. Look at me. Amen. Amen. Walls are coming down, and we are going to possess the city. Don't stop on six. You know, the enemy would like to do anything and everything he could to discourage you and try to get you to stop short of your miracle. God told Joshua, he said, see, I have given you the city. What do you do when what God says doesn't look anything like what you see? You keep believing, you keep trusting God. Even though your progress may not be obvious, and even though the process may seem open-ended, you keep trusting God because His promise will come to pass. Jamie's gonna pray for us right now, and we're just gonna believe God that He is going to encourage you today to hang in there until you possess the promises of God. Amen. Amen. Father, Victor and I lift up those who are watching today who are tired and weary, who are tempted to quit. And we ask that you yes. strengthen them today to continue, to continue strong, Father. And we trust you today. We lean not to our own understanding. And we trust you. We yes. trust you fully in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So don't give up. Keep marching. And we'd love to have you be our guest here at Summit and Church of God. We worship together every Sunday morning at 1045. And we look forward to seeing you here soon.